Moron Farming, the podcast. At Moron Farming, we learn from our stupid mistakes so you don't have to. I'm your host, Faramaris Hidaji, MD. Hello, and welcome to episode two of Moron Farming, the podcast. Today we have two very special guests, Dr. Louis Mess and his wife, Talitha Mess. They are uh, South Africans that uh, immigrated to the United States, and Dr. Mess was a very illustrious and well-known cosmetic plastic surgeon who worked several decades in the town of Lafayette, Louisiana, before moving fully to this mountain ridge, uh, which he lives on now. Dr. Mess has been known for his various adventures on the farm, and I thought he'd be a great guest on the Moron Farming podcast to discuss with us some of the things that he's learned over the two-plus decades that he's uh, had a house in the mountains. Uh, Dr. Mess very fully engages with everything that the mountain is. And you'll hear all about his adventures. And you'll have his wife, Talitha, here to make sure that uh, the stories he's telling you are actually true. So without further ado, I bring you Dr. Louis Mess and Talitha Mess. All right. Welcome to Moron Farming. I've got some very special guests today. Dr. Louis Mess and his lovely wife, Talitha Mess. They are going to talk to us today about their Moron Farming experience. Um, Actually, uh, Dr. Mess is the Moron Farmer. Um, (laughs) His wife is here to referee. So, um... Louie, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, just uh, where you're from, how you ended up here. Well, I, I need to give you a disclaimer for my accent. That is uh, South African slash Rhodesia, ex-Zimbabwe. And um, I came to the States via England with, uh, I'm a doctor and um, did general surgery in England. Um, went to Michigan to do plastic surgery and then spent about 40 years in um, Lafayette, Louisiana. About, oh, now getting on 25 years ago, we um, bought property up here where we now are and um, gradually settled in, built a house in 2001, and then I retired in 2019 and became a permanent moron farmer. Um, We learned as we went along. I mean, you're a doctor, so of course you're an expert in everything you think. And uh, so, um, you know, some lessons we're still learning, some we never learn. We live in hope. But uh, that's how I ended up up here on the mountain. I like water. Uh, there's plenty of that in Louisiana, but there are no mountains. And um, I like mountains. So uh, hence we chose this this area. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, the, the first part of this podcast is going to be maybe we'd love to hear a little bit about some of your misadventures. And then we'll switch more to a didactic um, teaching, maybe expressing some lessons to us that you've learned along the way, but I have a couple of questions to maybe get us started. Sure. All right, so question one is, how did a 40-year career in cosmetic 
plastic surgery prepare you to run a flail mower? Not at all, <laughs> except self-confidence. You know, to be a plastic surgeon, you have to have a big ego and you've got to know everything and do anything you like. Uh, I mean, you do that every day. You do operations which are basically not necessary if you think about it. Um, they, they're desirable. Um, so, you know, your ego has to be good enough to deal with that when things go wrong. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we came up here, and the first thing you've got to do is you've got to get things under control, so you buy a mower. And um, most of my moron moments had to do with mowers. I can attest to that. Yeah, you, is there one in particular that stands out? Well, I, I think our initial one, seeing Kalita is here, she, she'll be able to add to that, I think. Um, uh, we have a, a number of uh, timber timber roads on the on the property, and I'd been mowing one of these. And one of my rules when I bought my mowers was I, I would not have a riding mower or a tractor because those things tend to flip. And one thing you learn very quickly in in, in the mountains is to respect gravity because everything is downhill. And uh, so I was walking along behind my uh, self-propelled bush hog. And I managed to get too close to the edge, and my um, mower did cartwheels down the side of the mountain and ended up in a gully with the handlebars bent over the front of the, the, the mower, and the engine just put, put, putting along. Uh, so I climbed down, turned off the mower, and tried to assess the situation because I was at least 30 feet below the, the road with an almost vertical climb up to the, to the road. And how the heck was I going to get that big mower back up there? So I made one of a couple of visits to to our local hardware store and eventually Lowe's rigged up a block and tackle. Um, I could get my truck down to where the accident had happened. So I drove my truck down there with my wife in tow, put her in charge of the truck. Oh, we tried and the four-wheeler first. That's true. Yeah, we, we tried the Polaris. The Polaris first. You tried to pull it up the hill. Yeah. And I had to drive I, I, the Polaris backing up. Ah. Lord help me. So you were driving the Polaris yeah. backwards. Trying to. Yeah. yeah. And I rigged up a block and tackle, and um, I guess I attached the um, block of the, the rope a little high on the mower, so the front of the mower was digging in. And before I realized what was going on, well, the rope broke. And <laughs> so I had to do another one, and the um, Polaris just couldn't handle it. It was real spinning. And so we got my truck. And we put my truck on the road and hooked up the rope to the truck and backed that up and broke the next rope. Hmm. At this stage, I was yelling and carrying on and my marriage was in danger. Uh -huh. And then um, I, fig I figured out what, what I'd done wrong with the rope on the mower itself. And when I fixed that, everything came on up and we salvaged the, the mower. I had to buy a new set of handlebars for it. Hmm. But for the rest, the mowers did fine and carried on for another 10 years. So uh, <laughs> um, They're still married. Yes, I was going to actually just by, by Just barely. By a threat. Just by a threat. <laughs> I was, I was going to delve into that comment a little bit. So he, and I frequently involve my wife in my disasters also, but you, you're a little further along than I am. So the two of you have been married a bit longer. So this seems to happen a lot, right? Like he's out there doing something and he involves you somehow. Yeah, we, we have this division of labor where Kalita takes care of the house and I take care of outside and then periodically she has to come and save me. <laughs> it really depends on a lot. It's not a daily thing, it's not a weekly thing, but if you think over the years, it's happened. There's definite tendency to 
have this kind of thing happening. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're still together. Well, you know, it's that old I'm a doctor. It's okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so apparently a graduate degree at a high IQ is no... Uh, it does not prepare. It, it doesn't protect you from being a moron. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, which brings me to my next question. Would you say it's more or less dangerous here than back in Lafayette, Louisiana? Oh, it's, it's, it's different. It's totally different. different. See, here, here it's... I mean, inherently everything is dangerous when you're dealing with heavy machinery, but um, I don't know. Um, I think it's in, in some ways less dangerous. It's better for my health to be up here. It's, it's, it's relaxing and this is fun. Less traffic for irritating people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, it's hard to compare. To, to a different life altogether, yeah. yeah. There is actually a lot of similarity between the North Carolinians and the Louisianians very neighborly people, um, but we fit in right from the work go very well here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny how we're all kind of misfits, but we fit in well. People live on this ridge are not normal, but we do fit in well together. So um, here's, here's another question that occurred to me. What animal are you the most scared of, domestic or wild? I've never thought of that. You have to, I guess, be in context. Um, There's big, big, big game in Africa where I'm from. You know, I wouldn't mess with buffalo and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, but in terms of everyday animals, I'm not frightened of animals. Mm-hmm. Not even that bear that keeps toppling your bird cedar. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, I guess if I went out and he, he was eyeing me up and down, I'd probably get out of his way pretty quickly. But. Um, it doesn't scare me that he's there. I, I rather like the fact that he's mm. there. And the, the I... rattlesnake that lives on your driveway. <laughs> <laughs> well, ask my dog about that. But uh, <laughs> snakes don't bother me. I, I have a nice story about that, which I, I can share. Um, our house has a hydronic system in the floor, which provides us with heat in winter. And uh, just in case the floor ever needs to be flushed or uh, maintenance in the pipes, um, we have a, a small um, locker, I guess, on the side of the house where the pipes are exposed. And um, obviously this is a favorite place for mice in, um, come winter because of the shelter and of course mice attract snakes. And um, uh, I had the um, uh, exterminator guy, the Terminix fellow was with me and he... Um, uh, went around with me because I wanted to show him the, the mouse problem because I had visions of these mice chewing through through my pipes. These, these are PEX pipes. Um, it's never happened, but I thought it might. And when we got there, there's a big lid. It's about a four by eight lid that uh, you can lift up to to get into the area if you want to work on the pipes. And inside, below that lid, there is a... Um, Styrofoam sheet, four by eight styrofoam sheet, one inch sheet of, uh, of insulation. And when I lifted the lid, there was a big old rattlesnake curled up on the insulation under the lid. And so I picked up the insulation and shook the snake down into the bottom of the pit where the mice were, and let him do his thing, and uh, closed up and kept on talking to the, the exterminator. And I didn't think anything about it. Well, the exterminator goes down the hill to our neighbor, Randy Best, and he's still got eyes the size of saucers, and he'd never seen a snake in the wild before, certainly not up close. And he said to Randy, those darn foreigners up the hill, they keep snakes as pets. 
And we, we had several incidents with rattlesnakes over the plumbers and so on. But, you know, I mean, a snake's a snake. And if you you've them. got you've got, to, you've got to respect them. But mm. at the same time, they're not scary. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you alluded to this earlier, but if you get in one of the binds that you frequently mm. find yourself, <laughs> um, who is the one person that you generally will call to save you? Well, you he know, doesn't call. I call. <laughs> what do you mean? You know, doctors know how to fix everything. You know, <laughs> you can't admit that you've been wrong or stupid. It's very embarrassing when you've done something really stupid, mm. and you don't want to share that because then you might end up on a podcast with it. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, so you call to I'm the one who calls. But, He's no, not always happy about you, it, but I'm you, the one who calls. Usually it's Randy that's got to come up here because Randy's got tractors and track hoes and things like that, which I don't have. Yeah. But I uh, I use these services relatively re regularly for, for stuff like mm -hmm. that. And the Polaris, also the, the Polaris rolling incident, incident is another one. Yeah, well, this was to, to go down on one of these roads again. Uh, and uh, because it's down at the bottom of the property, I hooked up my trailer behind the Polaris and I had my mowers and, and weed eaters and all that sort of thing packed in the trailer. And the gate leading onto this road uh, is flanked on one side by a uh, wild peach tree. And that peach tree has gradually been getting bigger over the years, or had been. And uh, I would just trim it, and every year I'd lose about three or four inches of road uh, in terms of width. And um, on this particular day, I came through, and I'd run out of road, or the width of my road was now less than the Polaris. And uh, so as we came through the gate, suddenly my right front wheel was in midair, and we just gently tilted over the edge of what had been a, a ramp for, for cattle. That the previous owners had built. And the Polaris just gently rolled over with me in it. And I uh, remember lying on, on the roof, looking up at my feet, uh, upside down in, in a patch of poison ivy, and wondering what the heck just happened. And um, so I climbed out, got through all the poison ivy, assessed the situation, managed to get my trailer unhooked. The, the tongue of the trailer was twisted about 180 degrees. But I managed to get it all hooked off the, the Polaris, which then settled down a little bit further down the hill, uh, having lost its anchor. Oh, and then, and so then you what? Pull, you pulled the trailer off, and the Polaris it, it, it shifted out so another ten, maybe another ten feet down the, down the hill. Yeah, it just like a little sled, you know, did gravity. So anyway, then I thought, okay, what I need is to come along, and I've got to pull the Polaris back onto its wheels if I can. Blah blah blah. And I come back to the house and my wife sees me running around doing all kinds of stuff. And I'm going to go to the hardware store to get my kennel to come along. And she said, oh, buddy, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm calling Randy. So I said, you can't call Randy. I don't need Randy. I'm going to do it myself. So she calls Randy anyway. And, Thank goodness. Uh, and, and Randy came along and um, bought his Polaris. And between his winch and my winch, we managed to get the Polaris up, upright in the sense that it was 45 degrees. It's all wheels were on the ground, but it was on a 45 degree slope. Mm -hmm. And then I managed to get in the Polaris and started up. And then with Randy um, using his guy rope, what it really amounted to a guy rope, we, we managed to drive it back onto the road, the Polaris back onto the road, and the situation was saved. And as Randy said, you know, the only thing that got hurt was my ego. And so that's true. <laughs> so I, I've always had this question because you've told me this story before. 
Um, how did you stay in the Polaris? Because you didn't have your seatbelt on. No, no seatbelt. I was just bouncing around in uh -huh. the uh, in the Polaris. But wow. it all happened very slowly, you know. So I had a chance to sort of realize what was happening, and uh, say, okay, now when is this going to stop? <laughs> you're just gently rolling. So how many times do you think? Uh, really, really just the once. And, and it was more of a, I, I guess, uh, uh, maybe 75 degrees. I mean, I, I probably did a three-quarter roll and ended up upside down. Right. And then after everything, your adrenaline got back to normal, did you get any, any kind of com commentary from your wife? Well, she she was wise enough to just let it lie because she was <laughs> a, a sore point in that thing. There's a potential uh, volcano at that stage. You just <laughs> mm -hmm. stay oh, away. Oh, he's a volcano. Right. So, but but you know, I, I put my wife in these situations frequently where mm -hmm. I'm going out and doing things that she doesn't know a lot of the things that happen. You know. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I'm ignorant of a lot too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no doubt. So she, I guess, she's maybe. Um, uh, she just has settled into the, the idea that she can't control what, what I'm doing out there. No. So she just, she's at peace with it. I think that's Talita. She, uh, she just lets me get on with it. And most of the time I make bad decisions and she can tell me later, well, I thought so. And that annoys me even more. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, actually that takes me to the next thing, which is um, the making bad decisions. I, I'm very much in the same camp as you, and I don't know if it's attention deficit disorder or what it is, but when there's a sequence of things that have to happen, sometimes I'll skip a step or two. I think and, we, we all do that as doctors. Uh, when, one of the things about medicine is you cannot be linear sequential, at least as a surgeon you can't. Uh, a lot of stuff you do is routine, but when things happen, you can't go through, I, I guess you can, but... Um, certainly in plastic surgery, everything is intuitive and you, 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 you don't work according to rules, you work according to the situation. Mm, particularly and, in the construction. And, and it's my personality and I guess I'm suited to that kind of thing. And, you know, I, don't, I never went into surgery with a specific battle plan, it just worked out as it went along. Mm. And uh, yeah. that, that's how I do things and um, uh, that's good and it's bad when it comes to... Uh, Heavy equipment and flying planes and things like that. Mm. You know? But you know, we have a lot of people helping us in surgery. I do, mm. I do surgery too, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and it's such a narrow scope what we're doing. We're focused on a, a very uh, limited number of things. Mm -hmm. And then we have people setting up the instruments and people dealing with the blood pressure. We don't have. But when you're out here, for example, hooking up a trailer, uh, right. you're <laughs> safety patrol. The, yeah, that's the right, and you don't you don't have time for all those checks, you know. Right, right. Uh, and, and we perhaps have a false sense of security because yeah. we we are so in in command of our specialty. We've had so much training; it's automatic. Oh yes. But out here, you know. Well, you know, it's, it's again, it's that ego thing, and um, I hate to be, make fun of my profession, but I mean that's. Most doctors are at some level um, independent and not linear sequential, which make, makes us mm -hmm. terrible pilots because we don't take care of safety stuff. Yes, particularly but, surgeons, though, as you yeah. said earlier. Yeah, and, and you know, you just got this ego thing and you can do it. It never occurs to you that maybe you can't or maybe you need help. Mm -hmm. uh, you just go ahead and you give it your best shot. Yeah. And most of the time it works just fine. That's a identify? very interesting point. And, and maybe that's what distinguishes us from somebody that's a career farmer that's mm -hmm. used to moving slowly and 
doing things yep. one step after another. We think we can rush in and just make it all happen. We don't think it through because everything always works out. Someone will bail you out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway. Mm. But that's a lesson to learn when you know when you come here and you start fooling with this sort of thing. You have to you have to slow down, like you just said, and and just think a little bit before you before you jump in. And that's tough. Yeah. Do a bit of homework know. and don't shoot from the hip too much. Yeah, yeah. I certainly have had a lot of close calls, and it's interesting that um, I never really had that before. And I'm not a risk taking kind of a person, but I find myself forgetting step one, you know, or step two, mm -hmm. or whatever, mm -hmm. and then. I've, I've driven off of my trailer unhitched. I'm, you know, so I'm ashamed to say he's done a number of really dumb things. Uh, but that's interesting that your, your point is well taken, that, that um, we are used to being fully in charge. And, and, but, but really, it's a bit of an illusion because we have yeah, a lot of people. We, we have a team. Right? We have a team. And here we don't have a team. No one's going to say, hey, what about this? Because you, you didn't think about what about this. You just skipped that step. And, uh, <laughs> yep. When that one team member does say something, it's not always well received. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, so here's here's another question. Um, what are what are the top three? If you had to list the top three things you've learned since you've moved out to the the country and been you know, involved with outdoor things, or so. I can give you two right off the bat. One is obviously you've got to respect gravity. Because everything is downhill, like I said earlier in the interview. Um, if you do stuff, you end up downhill. And that can be not too bad or it can be terrible. And um, you have to respect the fact that things, you know, you need to stay on level when you can. So gravity. And then the other thing is you need to love your neighbors because you're going to need them. And we quoted Randy earlier. I've got you up the hill from me. We've had some situations where you've needed me. And you learn to rely on your neighbors and, um, you know, with different skill sets, different equipment, that sort of thing. And then you bail each other out. Mm. Let me see. Number three. Well, the other number three that you, you it's, it's important. Yeah, you're, you're living on your own, really. You, um, not that far from, from help and from neighbors, but you are relatively distant. And... Um, it's nice. I think it's one of the things that attracted me to to having a place in the country is this is the solitude and, and the the independence that comes with that, and not having to worry about your neighbours if you make a noise. And um, so th I guess those three things. I think number two and number three kind of go together in yeah, a strange way. They, they do because we've lived in subdivisions before where you're you know you literally can see your neighbour taking a shower through mm -hmm. your window. You know, you're 10 feet from their house. And I, I've been in those situations for years where I've never even spoken to my neighbor. Mm -hmm. And here we have lots of land between us. But, you know, we, we know our neighbors better since moving out to the mountain than we did before. Yeah. You know, living in subdivisions. Yeah. You know, we've also watched some other people moving here from, you can name it, New York, Florida, whatever. And they tend to want to bring that here. You don't do that. You come to the mountains, you become part of the mountains, or you'll never belong. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what you mean. It, it, you know, there's people that become invested in being here, yes. and they they let it seep through them, uh, mm -hmm. and they become part of it. And then there's people that want to bring Atlanta here. What they left. Yeah. 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 You don't do that. Yeah, it's a shame, you know, because one comes here because you're attracted to the place. 
It's like moving into the desert and then trying to make it look like New York. You know, mm-hmm. if you like New York that much, like you know, go, go stay in New York, yeah. don't move to the desert. And um, it's the same thing. If you like mountains, come here and enjoy the mountains for what they are and celebrate. And there are some downsides to it, but Lord, that's why you came here in the first place. Love it. Yeah. That's why you're here. Yeah, leave your Azure behind. That's right. That's yes. right. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to see a friend of mine. This is just an aside. I went to see a friend of mine uh, down in, in Florida, and um, she and Talita would do stuff, and um, I would to, to to fill the time. I took my bike and I would ride around the uh, the little settlement. It's it's, it's in the uh, in the villages down in Johannesburg. Um, and um, I, saw, I really, I saw this fellow out on his lawn and we talked about an edger, but he had, he had his little trimmers and he was cutting the grass with a, with a trimmer and he had a little bucket with him and he was putting the little trimmings in the bucket. And I thought to myself, Lord, if, if that's the only thing that I've got to look forward to as I get old, mm-hmm. um, you know, heaven help me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a neighbor once tell me, um, when we lived in Memphis, had a little bit of acreage. He said, "I want to have a yard where if a, if a tree branch falls down, I don't have to pick it up right away." Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> in my case, yeah, I don't pick it up for right. a year. The homeowners so, association come and get you if you don't. Yep. yep. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Um, I think that's about all the questions I have. I, I do have one last one, which uh, may, we may have already covered, but it, it's directed to people who are thinking to. This whole podcast is for is for people. Uh, who are considering coming out to the country mm-hmm. and they don't have a lot of experience. So if you had some person in that situation and you had five, minute, five minutes to teach them the most important thing you learned since you've been out here, what do you think that thing would be? Just come out here and don't overthink it. Uh, get in there, give it a shot, learn as you go, and that's the fun of doing it. Speak to you'll, locals. Yeah, you'll, you'll, your you'll make mistakes, locals. you'll be embarrassed, but in the end, everyone's done it to some extent at some level. And, uh, you know, the, the fun of being in the country and having your own little little spot where no one's going to mess with you appeals to some people. Other people would find that very claustrophobic, I mean, uh, agoraphobic. But um, come out here, get yourself a piece of land and give it a shot. Make it, make it your own. And mm-hmm. It may work, it may not, but if you don't try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's been absolutely delightful speaking to the two of you. And we may have to do a second episode where my wife returns. Oh, listen, we've, we've got so many, we haven't even scratched the, 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 <laughs> a lot of the moronic stuff that I've got up to. <laughs> so, well, we need to leave something for the future episodes. Yeah, so yeah. sure. <laughs> some are going to remain hidden. Well, Louie and Talitha, it has been a pleasure. And you guys are actually our inaugural guests on the Moron Farming podcast. I have to say that when I first put this podcast together, um, Louis popped up in my head as like the penultimate moron farmer. Ah. Yes. There was no, no doubt who I want you to interview. Guilty as charged. Yes. Well, they don't call you Dr. Mess for nothing. <laughs> That's a good Touché. one. <laughs> All right. Thank both of you. We will be in touch. And this is Farmer Sadaji signing off from the Moron Farming Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.